welcome, welcome, welcome to another fun-filled episode of A and B Sports Media, the podcast. My name's AJ, and I'm Bill. And let's get right into it. Bill, All right, we're going to start with today in sports history. Mm-hmm. We got three for you today. It was 1933. Pennsylvania overturns the blue law by permitting Sunday sports. So we got sports on Sunday in PA. Um, moving on to 1943, though, the Detroit Lions and the New York Giants played and they scored nothing. It was zero to zero. It was the last scoreless tie in the NFL. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's something. I can't imagine that game to go to. That would have been a snooze fest. Um, and the last one, just because. Um, in 1962, Glenn Hall set a NHL record of 500 consecutive games as a goalie. Oh. There's a lot of games in a row yeah, to get pucks in your face. Crap, dude. Yeah, I know. Days of rest either. They are. And speaking of which, of hockey, we're going to start right off with that. Ooh. Flyers aren't doing terrible. They're not great. They're not terrible. They're actually, when it comes to division... They're doing pretty crap because they are at the third lowest of their division. But season is still young. Only 12 games have been played. They are 5-6 and one overtime loss. So 5-6 and 11. They're, um, they did get absolutely creamed against the Kings 5-0. Um, but I will say the Kings are a very good team. I'm not surprised by that whooping. Mm-hmm. They're currently 7-2-2 two two, uh, with the overtime losses. Um, I mean, I'm not mad with how the Flyers are playing right now. Yeah, we're going to lose some of those bigger games. We're actually, the Flyers are going to be playing tonight at 1030 Eastern Standard Time on November 7th against the Sharks, which are currently, hey, AJ, guess, guess what they're, uh, uh, what is it? R- not rank. What's the thing? Um, their record is, took me a second. I know they're the worst, aren't they? Take a guess what it is. How many games have been played? 11. For them, they played 11. For them, they played 11. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say 2 and 9. Nap, you're being too generous. I'm be- So they, they are 0 and 11. They are 0, 10, and 1. Oof. They are on Oof. a 11 loss streak. They have only... Uh, I think they have one point total. I don't know what the GF means. Goal. They have something. one point total. That's what this says. Yeah, it's uh, it's not looking this, good this for San look, Jose. This is looking like a three-two loss. Flyers, like Flyers, losing here. Nah, it, I think we'll take this one. I hope so. It's a very Philly thing to do. It would be a Philly thing to do. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, the Flyers don't, you know, fall on themselves. So I'll probably watch some of the game tonight while I have the chance. Um, I know it's later in the night, but otherwise, again, I can't really complain about how the Flyers are playing. As long as they don't lose to the San Jose Sharks, foreshadowing, waiting. Um, but we'll see. Otherwise, they're going to be playing the Ducks, which they lost to um, on the 10th, and then they're playing the Kings on the 11th. Both have been losses. So they really kind of need this win to continue into those next two games. But we're going to get out of the... Um, out with the Flyers and in with the Sixers. Sixers are doing well. Sixers are currently five and one, um, and they are they're, they're scoring hundred over a hundred points every single game. And Bead's on point, even though I didn't really. I said it last episode. I wasn't the biggest fan of it. 
Maxie's doing well. That new rookie's doing well. I can't even remember his name again. But overall, uh, I'm very. I don't think he's. I think it's it's U- Kelly Oubre. I, yeah, I don't thank think you. Rookie. Yep. I was um, last time. So we will. Uh, that will be tomorrow. Their next game will be tomorrow, and that will be against the Celtics. So that's a good rival game for us to watch. So I'm all about it. Um, what I did not know on coming up is there is a NBA a in-season tournament coming up soon. Uh, it's like about two games from now. So I did not know that was a thing where they're having an in-season tournament. I don't know. No, idea. Like, no idea either. Um, I'm looking into it a little bit. It's the, oh, this is the first time. Okay. This is a new annual competition for all 30 teams. It's debuting this season. Um, there will be a championship on De- in December. There will be semifinals and finals, and this will take place in Vegas at the end uh, for the final round. Um, actually, you know what I can do? Well, why, why are they doing that? I don't know. Uh, so I'm just on the NBA's website. It's a, I guess it's just to do something else. It's kind of, I'm thinking like soccer where they do multiple tournaments throughout the uh, year. So it's going to be group play, uh, randomly drawn in groups of five. They're all going to start playing soon. There's going to be knockout rounds. Um, as you can see, we were with Cleveland, Hawks, Pacers, and Pistons. Um, and then all these other teams. Where's the Knicks? Because we do have a friend that's a Knicks fan. You got Milwaukee to Heat. I have no idea what that logo is. And the Hornets. Um, let's see. I have no idea. But yeah, this is interesting. I didn't know this was going to be a thing. Oh, there's Maybe even prizing. Let's see. At the clues. Is it like oh, lottery picks? Nah, it's just going to be best of like the tour. Like there will be a prize pool allocated to the players that uh, participate in knockout rounds, increasing how far. Oh, so there's money involved too. So if you win, you're probably going to get an extra little bit of money. That's pretty good incentive though to play in these tournaments hard. Hmm, intriguing. Yeah, got to look more into this. I didn't know this was a thing. But uh, moving on from the Sixers and basketball, we're going to go into Formula One next. Because uh, I want to save the soccer for last because, again, they're in the playoffs right now. Um, that, so as of uh, right now with Formula One, we just had a race this uh, weekend on Saturday, November 5th at 12 o'clock in Brazil. Um, this was the uh, Brazilian Grand Prix. This is done in Sao Paulo, Brazil, if I'm correct. Um, yep, Sao Paulo, and this was uh, an interesting race. Um, who Charles Leclerc did not finish, which is a shame, but he also didn't even start the race. He, when they were in formation lap, something happened to his car and he was out before it even started. So sucks to be him. Um, yeah, it does. Um, if you want to take a guess who won the race, you would not be surprised. But if you want to be excited about second place, um, Lando Norris came in second. This was wild. I actually watched the last bit of this highlight. Sergio Perez and Fernando Alonso were in neck in neck moments for third. Fernando won by, I think it's like 0.043 seconds. Wow. 
because the time was 34.115 seconds and the uh, Perez's was 34.208. I think it's 40, not 43, 48 seconds. Um, 0. 40, 0. 0.048 seconds slower than Alonzo. Uh, Lance actually did something right for once and got 10 points for his team. Uh, fine. Good job, Lance. Whatever. Um, and then lastly, Yuki Sonoda actually got points as well. Another two points for him while Ricardo, as I was just saying last episode, he has to keep it together. Score uh, got 13th. Um, I mean, otherwise, when it comes to the points, McLaren's coming back for the uh, Constructors Championship. Uh, Aston Martin now with that massive 25 points right there, moving themselves up. Um, yeah, I mean, Formula One's coming around soon, actually, to Las Vegas. We are having the inaugural Las Vegas Grand Prix Sunday, November 19th at 1 o'clock. Um, wait a minute. No. Really? It's at 1 a.m. Why the yeah. fuck is it at 1 a.m.? I was going to watch it, but no, now I'm not. Yeah, that's kind of disgusting. I don't, it's, it's in Vegas. I, I get why late night Vegas racing under the lights in the strip. But that's so late. Oh, is it, it's 1 a.m. for us or for them? 1 a.m. for us. So think three hours back for Vegas. Um, so that's a, that's still like 11 o'clock at night. That's rough. Yeah, that seems kind of late. Yeah. Um, that one I'll talk more in detail later, but I wanted to bring up that the fact that the race organizers are assholes and every <laughs> nook and cranny that you can find to like watch the track that you did not pay for, they are blocking it. They are literally putting clear film over all the walkways, everything. And people are just ripping it off. They're sick and tired of it. They want to be able to watch it. Even hotels are, uh, I think, starting to block out some of the air, like uh, casino, like hotel rooms where you could see down. Or they're just going to make the price exuberantly large. I'm not sure which one yet. Probably. But um, yeah. Moving on to MLS, because this is actually going to be quick. Last week, I said the playoffs would be that weekend. I was wrong, and you'll see it in the new video that I even edited out and said I was wrong. They are actually playing tomorrow for game two of the uh, MLS bracket for the playoffs. In the meantime, when it comes to MLS overall in the union, it looks like, um, yeah, who is, wait a minute. Um, Yep, Red Bull. All right, so we if we win tomorrow, we're most likely playing Cincinnati. Cincinnati has won their first or their the first two games. Um, so Cincinnati will be playing most likely playing them. We need a win, obviously, and then we move on. If not, we have one more game. Um, regarding the other side, the uh, West Coast side, or whatever they do, conference final on the other side. I don't know. Um, St. Louis. And I don't know who SKC is. Who is SKC? I'm actually curious. Kansas City, which was in the wild card, took out the um, St. Louis, which was ranked one for their conference. Really? And upset them 4-1 and then 2-1. Wow. Um, and then, shockingly enough again, oh, no, no. There's actually a game three going on for Houston and... Who the heck is RSL? Because I don't know these names yet. Um, St. Louis? No, Salt Lake. 
I don't know why R. Wait, why is it RSL? I don't know. I don't get it. No, St. Louis is STL, so that makes yep. sense. The STL, I don't know what RSL is. That's uh, Salt Lake City. Weird. Either way, um, LA is actually on its way to the next round, and then Seattle and Dallas are going to be fighting for that last game. I would love to see LA versus Philadelphia again, just so we can get our revenge. Big fan. We're having hope. We're having hope. Uh, But we're going to move out from soccer, and we're going to get right into combat sports. Not much going on. Well, no, I lied. Uh, This weekend is a very big weekend for the UFC. Um, This is UFC 295, Jerry Prohaska versus Alex Pereira. Um, Just quick honorable mentions, as I'm not going to go through the early prelim and prelim too much. Don't really know these people. This guy, Jarek Gordon. He was the guy from Patty Pimblett's fight that was the controversial loss. So he's getting another win. So we'll see what happens. Or another fight. We'll see what happens. Otherwise, the only other guy, Santa Claus. Vaishev Borshev. Great striker. Love to watch him. He's 7-3. and three. Honestly, if you have time to put some money on him because he's at plus 114, take the bet. But we're done with the prelims. We're going to move right on to the main card. I'm only going to focus really on this one. I'll bring this up in a minute because it's quick. And then the big two. First and foremost, we're going to talk about Diego Lopez versus Pat Sabatini. This is more for, this is more our guy, Pat Sabatini. Pat is from our area of Pennsylvania and Philadelphia. He trains out of um, Gracie. I think it's uh, something Gracie and like somewhere like Hatfield PA or something like that. I'm wrong and I know it. Um, But you don't see me do that. Uh, oh, God. Bad move. Bad edit. That will be cut out later. Um, <laughs> exactly. But as you could see, Diego Lopez is 22, 6-0, 8 wins by knockout, 12 wins by submission, 13 first-round finishes. He is no slouch. He's 50% on the striking accuracy. Um, he lands 2.12 uh, significant strikes uh, per minute. And he always aims for the head, 77% of the time. Um, he is currently on a one-fight win streak after beating Tucker um, with a submission. So he's probably going to try to go to the ground. The thing is, with Pat Sabatini, he is also no slouch in the ground game either. Two wins by knockout, 11 by sub, seven first-round finishes, 18-4. Um, he has some good striking from what we've seen, 60%. Um, a lot of takedowns attempted, but not many landed, only 45% so far. Really strong to the head, 83 uh, strikes significant there with a 78% chance. He is currently also on a one-fight win streak. Um, what I wanted to say, though, about this. Um, these guys like to win via submission. Do you know what that means, AJ? Uh, they like to grab on each other. Besides that, what else does that mean for a betting purpose? What do you think that means? For a betting purpose, and they they like to win on submission? Yes, ground game and ground game, both grapplers. What do you think will happen? Don't bet on TKOs. Wrong, you do. Really? Yep, because, hear me out, you have an expert grappler versus an expert grappler. What do you want to do against them? You do not want to go to the ground against them. So you pull out the other option. You strike. 
you've um you do some type of back control you do what you can um but i expect this to be via knockout if that's the case be on the lookout for diego lopez via knockout if not you could take pat via knockout as well i think that would be good odds um and just to come back real fast when it comes to pat he was born in bristol pa and he trains under daniel gracie's gym um in i believe i don't know where it's somewhere in somewhere i don't know where though i'll edit it later when i can either way moving on uh benoit sandini he is a great fighter he is from france every time he fights it's an absolute war this is going to be fun bet on sandini moving on i love jessica love mackenzie dern great fight overall just don't have the full-blown time to go through it just showing the records for everybody real quick jessica andre really does need to get something situated mackenzie is on a hot streak right now good luck to both ladies now the big boys this is for the heavy, heavyweight interim oh, title bout. Tom Aspinall versus Sergey Pavlovich. This is going to be good. They are both excellent fighters in two vastly different ways. Sergey is basically a freight train that will push forward and strike and fuck your day up. Why I say that, though, he is currently on a six-fight win streak. He has 15 wins by knockout, 15 first-round finishes. He is 18-1. and one. That means for 15 of those 18, that, that's all first-round knockouts, basically. Almost. And he is aiming and for the head. Here's the killer, too. Curtis Blades. High-level wrestler. Very good at what he does. High-ranked UFC fighter in the heavyweight division. Tied to Ivasa. We love Bam Bam. He knocked out Derek Lewis. He's been a strong puncher. He knocked out uh, Greg, Greg Hardy. There he is. Derek Lewis himself, too, also got knocked out. First round. First round. First round. I can keep going. First round. That's first crazy. Round, first round. Hang on. First round, I can't go anymore. This motherfucker is diabolical. He is a threat to the heavyweight division if you were trying to punch. Apparently, because we haven't seen it yet, he has a fantastic wrestling background too. We do not know. We haven't seen it. Um, but I actually have to say this, and I love Tom Aspinall. I will, um, you know, rant and rave about him in a couple seconds but this dude when it comes to like his videos like the ufc always does like a uh, youtube video every day leading up to the fight all he talks about is i'm ready to get in the ring with this dude and throw hands there's no like disrespect it's like i don't care about anything else i want to go to war and fucking fight somebody it is nice to see somebody that does not give a shit about the fame to glamour he's just like i'm ready to go yeah i honestly expect very big things out of sergey with this and i think john jones did not want to fight him for a very good reason because he is just absolutely terrifying now 
That does not mean his competitor is also not just as terrifying. If anything, he's terrifying in his own way. This is Tom Aspinall. He is 13-3, and 10 wins by knockout, 3 by sub, 12 first-round finishes. As you could see, out of those 13 wins, 12 of those had to be done in the first round. That's saying a lot still. Bad motherfucker. So the only thing that happened to Tom that I do want to bring up that's very important, this loss right here. Not that it's bad. He uh, That KO slash TKO, he tore his hamstring or ACL. Mm. So that's on his recovery. That was on his recovery. He looked fantastic, though, fighting Tabora back in July. He's also beat Volkov, which tied to Ivasa just lost to. He's beaten Spivak. He's beaten Arlovsky, who also trains out of this area, too. Um, he is just overall a fantastic fighter. Now, the thing is, he's quick. He's light. He's nimble. He has great striking. He knows how to take people down because he has submitted people, as you can see. He's not, he did it to Volkov. He's done it to Arlovsky. It's not like he's just a one-trick pony. This man is going to throw... Uh, he's not. He's going to throw. He's going to be able to slip. He's going to be able to get under him. He's able to take him down, most likely. But we don't know yet how Sergey is going to handle it because he hasn't been on the ground. Honest to God, I would take. I would say this fight doesn't even make it past the first round, but I would love for it to go beyond the first round because then we get to see the full development of what Sergey has become what Tom is after a couple rounds. Because he's fought a couple more. Obviously, yes, mostly first-round finishes, but he's at least, he's been training for more than that, too. Same thing with Sergey. So I'm hoping it doesn't go, or I hope it goes beyond the first round. But I hope that first round is a fucking war, and we get to see heavyweight, and it's like glory days of old. Um, If I had to make a bet, though, Sergey Pavlovich via knockout first round, same thing for Tom Aspinall. You could do the same thing with that. Maybe even sub because we wouldn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, weird odds. And I know we don't have it up yet because, you know, UFC website doesn't update it. I would look into Sergey via sub too. I, I don't know. I don't think that may hit. But it's just a gut feeling. It's a gut feeling. You never know. Because you know, you know how, how many gut feeling. Uh, I don't. I don't. That's it, right? Yeah. They don't. Um, Just a note, lastly, when it comes to the title bout, this is five rounds. We could potentially see 25 minutes of fighting. I don't believe there will be more than 15 at most. Um, I am am looking up on DraftKings. Thank you. uh, Sergey to win by submission. Submission. Plus 2,000. Honestly, that's that's a fun side bet to take. Both of them... Uh, Sergey is plus 120 to win by KO, TKO, DQ. Shocking. Um, Aspinall is plus 165 to win by KO, TKO, DQ. What's a but sub? When it comes to submission, Aspinall is plus 350. That's not bad. What is, I know they have the option, what is DraftKings to, for, on DraftKings for Sergey to win in the first round? In the first First round. Let's see if I can find that. They should have it under like uh, finish props or something like that. Uh, I don't see that. Just don't worry yet. about it right now, then. 
Uh, money line first round only. Is that what you're asking? No, 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 no. There's a whole separate thing. I'll uh, round props. Round props. There you go. Uh, so winning round. That's the only thing they have up. So up oh, Sergey uh, by round one. Yeah. Plus two hundred. That's that's low. That's Ask, the wild thing. Aspinall round one plus one seventy five. They they expect this fight to be over in the first round. Yep. If it doesn't go that way, because there'll be takedowns. If there's any takedowns, believe that the second round may happen. I wouldn't plus, bet beyond the third. Sergey is plus eight hundred on round two, and Aspinall is plus seven hundred on round two. Mm-hmm. It's a weird. It's weird because. Mm, I don't know. I mean, we just saw the stats. These people are are not getting to the second round. I I think th- I don't think so either. But I want to believe it. I think Sergey just looks too much like a monster. I think he is. He's a fucking threat. He is a goddamn Russian borscht in yeah. per- personified. Yeah. Um, he, he has a, a full on what is that six inch more reach? Yeah. Uh, actually, crazy. yeah, six inch more reach. Uh, has an extra inch on the legs as well. And he gets close to the uh, cap for that heavyweight division. Um, that was his last way in. That may change. Um, mm. But yeah, these motherfuckers are monsters. I'm excited for this one. And that's why I'll be watching it at home. <laughs> nice. I did actually, I'll bring it up at the end because it comes, it's just talking about the ticket prices. Moving on. The other big one. The huge one. The more exciting one. Not more exciting. They're both exciting at very different levels, and I'm very happy about this. My dog Jiri Prohaska versus Alex Pereira. Wait this is a war that I am hoping lasts at least three rounds of just pure chaos, power, everything. Uh, Jiri Prohaska is... The former light heavyweight champion. Jerry Prohaska is currently 29, 3, and 1. 13 fight win streak, 25 knockouts, 23 first round finishes. Man is a fucking demon. 20, 56 striking uh, percent accuracy, tons of strikes ta- uh, gone on there. Aims for the head 85% of the time with 196 strikes there alone and punches like there's no other. He's beaten the former champion, uh, Glover Teixeira. He absolutely dominated Dominic Reyes via spinning elbow. And Ozdemeyer got absolutely wrecked. Um, And this, this man does not fight with abandonment there is you know class to him but he knows when he goes in he is going to war for fucking 25 minutes he will come out bloody he will come out bruised but he fights like a goddamn barbarian and i love every second of him fighting um like i said he's coming off an injury from his shoulder um it dislocated and i think it tore a couple things uh, surgery and everything went well, and now he is back to cl- reclaim the light heavyweight belt. On the other side, we have Alex Potan Pereira, aka the giant tiki stone things that you see in the islands. Love those things. Um, he is only eight and two. That does not mean he is, you know, not skilled. He is a former glory kickbox middleweight 
and light heavyweight champion. Six wins by knockout, three first round finishes. Obviously, his numbers are going to be a little bit more skewed, but if you noticed, his strikes actually are higher or about the same as Jiri so far. Um, he actually has one takedown, too. I remember that because he took down Izzy. How about that? Um, he aims everywhere. 145 to the head, 123 to the body, 86 to the legs. He will hit you everywhere like a kickboxer should. As you can see, he has defeated John Blahovich. He has defeated this one, uh, Israel Adesanya by knockout. He absolutely destroyed the current champion, Sean Strickland, not um, via decision for uh, Silva. And poor Michaelis, he got knocked the fuck out too. Um, I am genuinely excited for this because what I think it is going to be the first round, maybe two, if we even get that far, honest to God, I think these both the main event and co-main will go quick. We are going to see, hopefully, elite level striking from both because I know Jiri, while he could do wrestling, he could totally take Alex down, submit him. He, he literally submitted his for, his his coach. Alex is, is trained by Glover Teixeira. Um, he could do that. But I feel like Jiri is like, this man is the baddest man to strike because we all know how scary his knockout power is. He's the guy that has enough balls to actually go up to him and go, I'm going to fucking throw a fist at you and actually strike. Will it be clean for both of them? I don't think so. I think this is going to get rough dirty and i'm gonna be screaming at the tv at one in the morning pissing off my neighbors i am sorry neighbors um i am genuinely excited for this card i am genuinely excited for both of these fighters to get into the ring because i want to see who the fuck is taking this belt and who the hell is the one of the most baddest motherfuckers on the planet we are not getting monetized for this one after all that ranting um <laughs> but Last but not least, just to wrap this all up, this originally, as I've said before, was with for the John Jones and Stipe Miocic fight. Um, that obviously has been tabled for something later down the line, depending what happens with this fight. Jamal Hill, or not Jamal Hill, not this fight, I'm sorry. The Aspinall and the Sergey fight. Um, Cyril Gaon somewhere in the mix somewhere, I guess. But... The ticket prices are hysterical. When John Jones was fighting, uh, Madison Square Garden tickets were like about eight hundred dollars. They're now about three hundred and fifty. That's with fees too. Jesus, they've dropped significantly. I almost bought tickets, but I can't afford it right now. This podcast don't make me money, but otherwise, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Otherwise, that is all I have at the moment. Well done. Uh, I'm actually excited for um, a few of the UFC bouts. So yeah, you coming over? Uh, I probably will. All right, probably that's will. Saturday, November 11th at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time at the Madison Square Garden. We got we got box seats in in Billy's apartment. Yeah, we got recliner chairs. Um, but as we dodged and dipped a few punches, we're gonna dodge and dip a few uh, balls thrown our way to get hop right into some baseball. Um. Oh yeah, they but, won, didn't they? Huh? Oh, the, Texas, Rangers. the Rangers won. Good for them. Um, Fuck Diamondbacks. Arizona. Diamondbacks. They just—it looked like they gave up. Just they 100%. did. And it pisses totally me off because like we should have been the one to lose to the Rangers. 
I do I do actually think that when we faced the Rangers, we probably weren't beating them. Um they were just they're just an all around like like well put together team. I get it. Um, we definitely had a chance. It was it, to be honest to me, it would feel like the Astros game, like last mm. series. Um, where we definitely came in and we were like, we're definitely like they're the better team, but we have a shot. And that's yeah, I I gotcha. feel like that's what would have happened. But obviously it didn't work out that way. But Rangers, congratulations. That's their first time in, in for history. So they finally got that off their their uh their checklist and um good for them. But uh, moving on to Phillies because I'm I'm biased and selfish. Uh Zach Wheeler is a gold glover. Zach Wheeler is a gold glover, so that's really cool. Um, I don't think there's any other announcements for Gold Glovers. I think I think Bryson's not. I know there's other finalists, but they still haven't given out all the awards yet. So mm. we'll hear about that soon. Um, going on to kind of the NOLA thing, mm. Phillies are looking into uh, – they, they, they extended the offer, so it's like that's what they – I forget the exact baseball and their their contract negotiations and afterwards it's it's such a weird thing. It's like it's not you have to kind of send there's arbitration, there's all this kind of stuff. A lot of people had to um I think if you're under contract or if you're a veteran, you have to send out essentially I forget the exact word for it, but it's around like twenty mil. Like that's like their contract offer and then and then you start negotiating. Um so they start. They send it out to Nola, but there's a growing consensus that they're going to um, prioritize another pitcher, Blake Snell, uh, over Nola. Um, which, I mean, yeah, Nola didn't really pitch too well during the season, but when it came down to you know postseason, he he popped off, and he's true. He was a really good uh, you know number two guy for the 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 playoff run that we had Blake Snell's a lefty. He's got, he's pretty nasty too. So like, it's weird. I don't know how I feel about it. I think I would still go over, go with Nola. Um, it, it's kind of like you're staying at the same spot. You're not really going up and getting other things, but I think the main reason that they're not going to go after Nola is that um, this is from Howard Eskin. So take it with a grain of salt because we all know Howard Eskin is always a, a fun reporter yes um but they said that Aaron Snola starts at 30 million for probably seven years and it's not really a contract that the Phillies would do um so we'll see how that song kind of turns out uh they literally like I, yesterday they just started sending out offers so you probably won't hear anything for like another month about like other teams and and all kind of stuff I know Tommy yeah. Phillies are part of that I don't know if they can afford him um we'll see about that though um the, yeah, so kind of sticking with this, like people don't really know how to feel about it, like targeting Snell over Nola, especially when you have Painter in 2025 and you have other rookies that like are going to be really good. Like you kind of want to keep the culture going. I don't know how Snell's going to work. So, um, and they haven't, they didn't send anything to Hoskins yet. So doesn't mean that they won't, just means that they haven't yet. Yeah. So it looks like they're trying to figure out Nola before they move on. That's um, fair. As we're 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 taking that curveball and then looking across the street into the link where there's some pigs getting flying around, we'll get into some football news. Uh, the Cowboys signed Martavius Bryant, who is get is he's at the end of tail end of his career, but he's a very 
robust talent in which this kind of makes sense. Um, they they don't really like even though they have Brandon Cooks and Michael Gallup, like there's no one really stepping up outside of CD Lamb. So yeah, so they're hoping that they can kind of get him back up to speed within a few weeks. Start um, you know, he's a speedster too, and he's made some nasty catches, especially uh for Pittsburgh. So hoping to get that going for him too. Um, and our boy, our good old boy Carson Wentz, Bill, he got signed. Where do you think he got signed to? Carson Wentz. He's 30 years old, by the way. Arizona? No, 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 no. Uh, Where? Life's like a full circle. He got signed to the Rams. So, Why? Uh, well, Stafford has the UCL sprain, so he'll be out for a little bit, and he's an old fart. Um, Fair. Their backup was atrocious, like, he was he was really bad. So it's that like, bad. You need to call Carson. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, if you take away the twenty twenty season, his stats weren't that bad. Like he, you, you could win with him. Um, Fair, especially taking time to go through film study, working with like John Gruden. Um, he'll have Sean McVay with him. Um, it, it it's definitely a good place for for both. It's a good fit. Um, I'm curious to see how that works because. He's a gunslinger, so him and Cup will definitely make friends. Him and Puka uh, will definitely do be doing well too. But life's a full circle because the Life same, is so a I think it was 2016, 20, I think it's twenty six yeah, twenty sixteen was uh when Jared Goff and Carson Wentz were drafted together. Goff went first overall to the Rams. Uh Wentz went to the Eagles, obviously, right after right afterwards. So they they chose golf over him. They got rid of golf, let Stafford win his ring, full circle, all the way back, signed Wentz. So the prophecy is fulfilled. Um, so I doubt he plays this week. If he does, impressive. I feel like um, that's going to be too much. Yeah. I mean, so we'll, we'll actually, I'll, I'll bring this up later because that kind of goes with the story. Um, so there, before I get into some games, there's some, um, mid-season awards and stuff like that. Um, not actual awards, but, you know, PFF, ESPN, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so far, this is what PFF, uh, per PFF Gordon, uh, this is his mid-season awards. He has Lamar Jackson as most valuable player, Tariq Hill, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Miles Garrett, Offensive Rookie of the Year, CJ Stroud, uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Jalen Carter, uh, comeback player of the year, DeMar Hamlin, and coach of the year, Dan Campbell. Um, I think I think Lamar's getting a little too much hype. Um, he's definitely playing a, a you know a relatively good season. Um, but I'm gonna compare him to Jalen Hurts because I th- I think Jalen Hurts he's Jalen Hurts, I think, is also um in the league for you know odds to win the MVP right now. I th- I forget if it's either him or Mahomes. Um, but it, one of those two is, is in the league. Um, Lamar Jackson, he has so far 1,900 uh, yards thrown, nine touchdowns, three interceptions. He also has 440 yards on the ground and five TDs. You go to Jalen Hurts, he has 2,300 yards in the air, 15 touchdowns and eight interceptions. He has 316 yards in the ground and seven TDs. Looking at those stats, the only other, the only thing really glaring is uh his interceptions, but 
Lamar Jackson has significantly more fumbles. He's fumbled 10, lost six of them. Jalen Hurts has fumbled four, lost three of them. So that's it, a good point. I I mean, most people, it, they're going to go with, yeah, I don't know. I feel like a lot of media kind of like tends to not go with, um, you know, Philly-led team or a Philly-led they player, don't. stuff like that. Uh, especially Lamar Jackson, who's won an MVP already. Um, they're going to kind of gravitate towards him. Even though his team is 6-2, and two, Eagles are, you know, 8-1. and one, So, I think that, you know, a little more respect. Or actually, yeah. I think there's 7-2, there's and two, if I'm correct. Because, um, you know, they didn't have their bye week yet. Uh, I'm trying to find this specifically. But, uh, I mean, you know, it, and I, I kind of bring this up specifically for the fact that those aren't the only awards that really came out. Yeah, they're seven and two. Um, I am excited to see that Jaden Carter was getting rookie of the year too. I like, I like CJ Stroud's offensive rookie of the year so far, and I like everything else except for that MVP. Um, but the NFL FPI rankings came out. This is based off of ESPN analytics. These are the teams. Okay. Can you tell me who's who's number one? Not us. No, but take a guess. The Ravens. No, they're actually really? they're number two. No. Oh. Uh, Are they really putting the Chiefs still up there? Yep. Really? Who's number three? Not us. Mm-mm. What else is new? Uh, who else is doing good? I don't know. Who would be three? The Bills. Okay, I get that. Who's number four? Still not us. Mm-mm. I swear to God, if they put the Cowboys over us, I'll fucking fight them. Uh, they're not. They're not number four. Oh fuck. San Francisco. Uh, Who's okay. number five? Not us. The Dolphins. Who's number Where six? Where are we? Who's number six? Not us. The Cowboys. Oh, that ESPN can go fuck themselves. Who's number seven? Not us. Us. Oh, finally. Yeah, they can go fuck themselves. Sorry, ESPN. I use your sources. All- ESPN. Oh. Analytics says the Philadelphia Eagles, who literally just beat the Cowboys yep. and the Dolphins, are number seven. That baffles me. It, that is mind-blowingly stupid. Baffling. It makes no sense. And I was looking at this, too, because I was like, well, if, they, if their analytics is saying that we're number seven, what's to say about the predictors? For our, our Kansas City Chiefs' upcoming bout, the Chiefs, this is the only one that I kind of agree with because it's at Arrowhead. I don't think it's this lopsided, though. They have the Chiefs winning at 61%. Against who? Uh, the Eagles. This is this is only Eagles. Oh, this, this is the bye analytics. week coming up. Okay, yeah, yes, also, that yeah, one so I understand. Bye week and then the Chiefs. I don't think it's going to be that lopsided, but I can no. understand this one. We have the Bills beating us when we're home at 55.4%. No. So we're technically the underdogs in ESPN analytics. They have San Francisco beating us by 50.3% at, at Philly. No. And then when we go to Dallas, they have, this is where I, I kind of agree, but not to the uh, away games in Dallas are tough. Always. Yeah. It's, it's a rivalry game too. And they have us yeah. 56.2%. But I was like, how are your analytics that skewed? Favoritism like, bullshit. We, we beat two of the teams on the list. 
and we're the best record in the NFL. So how are your analytics even saying that? That makes no sense to me. I have no idea why. I will say, though, that outside of all the teams, at first I wasn't fully sold on the Eagles being the best team in the league just after yeah. like maybe five or six weeks. I mean, yeah, I get it. But then you watch Kansas City. Mahomes is looking terrible. Like if if there wasn't specific like penalties for the Jets or or other games, like he would have a lot more picks. I think they actually let me see. Jalen Hurts has um he has eight interceptions uh this year. And then Mahomes, if I could find him, Patrick Mahomes has eight. Crazy. Um yes, Kansas City and Mahomes have not looked that good. They do not have a wide receiver that's the number clear number one either even though they have significantly significant talent there. The Bills just lost to the Bengals in a very sad fashion. Like, they they don't look that great. Burrow's finally getting healthy, so maybe him. But San Francisco's faltering. Uh, even the Ravens, they don't really look that great, to be honest. Like, yeah, they blew out mm-hmm. the Seahawks. But the Seahawks are also a very fraudulent – like, I think they're 5-3 and three now. Like, it's – like, none of these teams really – and even the Eagles haven't really played their best ball, but they still find ways to win, which clearly makes them better than the other teams. Yeah, I mean, last week was – I mean, this weekend was – it was I'll admit it. Mm-hmm. Like, watching that last, like, couple um, drives and defensive holds, mm-hmm. scary as all hell. I don't think I can get any of those uh, moments well, back in my life. Yeah, and that's a rivalry game in, in any – in any sense, like even us facing the the Redskins, like they're gonna pop off against us. Yeah. Um. And then I there, agree. there was there was specific things too, like they put a CD uh, CD Lamb in a slot a lot against Eli Ricks, who I love. Yeah. I love Eli Ricks, but he's an undrafted rookie. He's got latent potential, but he's an undrafted rookie against one of the top five, if not seven, wide receivers in mm-hmm. this league, and it, it clearly showed. He he, CD Lamb went off for eleven receptions, one hundred ninety one yards, like. That that shouldn't happen. Yeah. Um, and our, our secondary is really our only weakness that I'm seeing right now. Because um, the offense is starting to click. There's a few things you got to clean up, especially in the run game. And O-line letting up a little bit more pressure than I like, but they're still pretty relatively good. Jalen Hurts is starting to drop dimes on a bum leg, which is crazy. But our, our Yeah, our that's game, wild that he's injured and playing still significantly well. It's, the, he, the, the throw... There was two throws to Devontae Smith, the touchdown, and then there was one where it's like a third and nine, and he just he he laced a dart in between. It's just so good. Like, he's only getting better. Um, but yeah, the disrespect's kind of crazy. And kind of jumping into um, you know, the game that we had this this past week against the Cowboys. I mean, that that's a divisional game. And and to the credit, the Cowboys looked a lot better than I thought they would. Um and it's a game of inches. It really is. Like if they scored that touchdown where the tight end was down, uh, like literally like half a centimeter beforehand, um, that's a touchdown. That that changes the whole complexity of the game. If they scored that two point conversion instead of uh, Brandon Graham's, first of all, great play by Brandon Graham. Yeah, sprinting full speed at Dak, making him step out of bounds. Like this is a game of inches, and it's we got literally saved our ass. Yeah, because we. Gave them the game we did. At, at towards the end, and it pissed me off. Um, and I know a lot of people were pissed off about the play call, where it was like third and 
33, 34, something like that. With like, this is our last offensive drive. And um, he, he throws a bomb to A.J. Brown. It's like, I get that you want to, you know, maybe do a slant, try and pick up the yards. But that's been statistically our best play all season. A.J. Brown broke a record doing that stuff. Know what I mean? Like, yeah. If Hertz throws that a little bit better, he had pressure, so he had to kind of step back, especially on the the bum knee. Um, he he hits that, and that game is over anyway. But defense need the secondary needs to clean it up. Um, I know not a lot have been healthy. I know Bradbury and Slade kind of like came out this game too. So yeah, the bye week really couldn't have come at a per- more perfect time. Yeah, we need this week the rest bad. Um, there is one game I want to call out. Two games actually, I lied. Two games, and they were in the one o'clock slate. Um, shout out to Joshua Dobbs for yeah the Viking not, game yeah coming back and beating Atlanta and uh, and um, their coach the Atlanta coaches is, is consistently against the fantasy community and it's so funny Arthur Smith and he consistently doesn't want to use their first round pick who is a literal yeah I don't know what's up out. with that I saw articles going off on it he just he he he's not. It, it, Whenever they ask him about it, he defers. It's like this is not fancy football. Like this is this is regular football. It's like that would make sense if he wasn't already showing that he's a generational talent. Like, yeah. No offense to Tyler Algier, who's a nice little bruiser back, but like, dude, like use him. Even like Kyle Pitts, who was their was their other first round pick. Like, you have talent, just use them. And he's not, and it's it's funny. So this game was fantastic because he had Joshua Dobbs who did not know a single person's name, not a single person. No, just hey, you over there, catch the ball. Exactly. And when they were warming up, like right before he went in, he, he was practicing the cadence with the O-line. Was he really? He was practicing the cadence. He was like, it was Jesus. Oh. So shout out to him for making a miraculous comeback. Cause that was, that was a really fun game to watch. Um, and this is Joshua Dobbs there right now. Kirk Cousins is hurt. So this, that's just Joshua Dobbs' team. Um, and I actually think they might make a little push. I don't know if they'll get far in the playoffs, but they'll make it. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, I want to talk about the Houston game, where it was uh, Houston made a miraculous comeback against Tampa Bay. This this game was – And the th- kicker. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the kicker got hurt, so I'm going to butcher his name. Uh, butcher his name. Uh, Dare Ogumbawale. I got it. Nice. Good enough. Um, yeah, he was the first player since I want to say 2004, maybe significantly earlier. First non kicker to make a field goal, which mm. is crazy. Good for um, him because they consistent. So, yeah, they're Houston's kicker got hurt, so they consistently yeah. keep going for two point conversions. And then, thankfully, at one point, they were like, All right, well, we trust this guy enough, he's had enough kickoffs. Let's kick a field goal because it's like it was like a 29 yarder. Yeah, I was and gonna he say, apparently, he's played soccer before. That makes sense. So he, yeah. he at least had some skill. So wait, what were they doing for kickoffs then? They Dare was doing kickoffs. Oh, he, he was doing both. It. Yeah, but field goals, he only did one field goal because they were like, uh, well, you're not a kicker. We don't want to put that on you. Yeah. Well, um, now but, they will. <laughs> but the real big story is CJ Stroud, who is a rookie. He is a rookie QB, and he had he broke the record, first of all. So he set the single-game rookie record for passing yards. And he led them on a game-winning drive. This game was 39-37. to 37. This is Tampa Bay, who's a pretty decent defense. And yeah. this, the rookie balled out. He absolutely he was a second rookie off the board. Bryce Young went before him. But 
CJ Stroud, man, he's he's him. He's only 22, and he's he's playing like this in an NFL setting. Um, he he immediately takes the Texans from you know the team who I believe they had no they had the second worst record, or they might have the worst. I think I think Panthers traded up. Um, I can't I can't specifically remember, but uh, you know bottom tier team to yeah. now they could probably make the playoffs. They might have a push. So that was an exciting game as well. Um, moving on next week, Eagles bye week. So thank God my heart can take a fucking break. Yeah. Um, next week's going to be light for us. Mm-hmm. It, it will be. So we'll, we'll still find stuff to talk about. Oh yeah. I have stuff always. There is UFC um, events going on. That's true. Then we can, we can recap and see how yeah. much. We can always recap, especially with the card. You'll be watching it too. Mm-hmm. Um, for Thursday though, for football, before we move on from that, um, I want to get into at least, uh, one or two games talk about for next this week coming up and then some fantasy stuff. So make sure you guys stay for the fantasy, uh, uh, data. It's pretty cool. Um, so <laughs> Thursday, we got Carolina versus Chicago at Chicago. Um, both the bears. Yeah. The bears. Pretty nah, bears. Terrible teams, uh, one and seven and two and seven. Justin Woo, Fields battle might come suck. back. It is battle of suck. So my favorite time. Um, Bears definitely take this one. Um, there nah, is Bears. there is another. I, I don't know if it's a, a Germany game or something, but it's Indianapolis versus New England. The games at nine thirty on Sunday. So make sure you guys are up for that. Nope. Um, and then really it's. The game I'm I'm interested in watching is going to be Detroit versus the Chargers. Um, I think that's going to be a shootout, and that'll be fun. It is Germany, by the way. It is Germany? Okay. I know Germany yeah. has a pretty decent uh, following yeah. of football players. So. Yeah. Um, and then, honestly, a pretty good test for C.J. Stroud Sunday is uh, Houston versus the Bengals. So Joe Burrow's looking good. Stroud's looking good. Yeah. That looks like a fun game. Um, Yeah, so – Keeping on Stroud because there's a stat for this. CJ Stroud is on pace for 4,800 yards, 30 touchdowns, and my favorite part of this, two interceptions. That's crazy. That is crazy. Um, outside of before we got get into that, I know a lot of uh, a lot of the Washington Redskins, like the people inside the um, upper management, think Sam Howell is like the five ten franchise guy. I don't know. He's, I mean, from what they've had the past few years, he's definitely a more stable person you can build around. Um, but we'll see if he develops into that kind of guy. He's definitely torched us multiple times. But it, I'm not going to ask a question because I kind of gave the answer away. Um, who has the most big time throws in the NFL? It's not Josh Allen. It's not Patrick Mahomes. It's not Hertz. And it's not Tua. It is Sam Howell. He has 22 big-time throws um, via PFF, the next uh, five, respectively. Uh, well, so the next four, respectively, are Tua with 21, Hertz with 20, Stafford with 19, and Allen with 18. Sam Howell sitting at the top of that with 22. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, on the fancy end, um, there's a there's a bunch of stuff that kind of happened. Um, Bajan didn't. Again, sub 50% running back share. Um, DK Metcalf, I thought this was crazy. Failed to score 10 points for the first time this season. 
Really? Um, yeah. So that they got lost. Well, they got crushed. Like they, they did. It was it was the Baltimore Ravens that just actually put it to them. Um. Excuse me. So Deontay Johnson's back. He's had he's averaged a target share of thirty point seven percent, and he's averaging eighty four point seven yards per contest. Man's on the terror. On the same vein, George Pickens is averaging 21.5% target share per game. Um, and his receiving yards are 42.7. So Deontay is the wide receiver one. Another for Steelers fans out there, Kenny Pickett has thrown more than one touchdown pass in one of 20 career starts. So normally he's only throwing one or he's throwing none. Not- so Kenny Pickett needs to kind of start developing there. Yeah. Um Lastly, something I want to, to point out, our cover is CJ Stroud, but Tank Dell has been popping off. He is an absolute stud, and CJ Stroud, actually, when they drafted him, they said, hey, draft Tank Dell. They were like, he was like, please do that. He's my guy. And Tank Dell has definitely, you know, helped him out with that, considering the fact that, uh, you know, Tank Dell, he hit a season-high 28.9% target share. He's hit the fun fact about him is he scored uh, fewer than nine PPR points in four games this year, more than 20 PPR points in three games. There is no in between. It is either high or, or low. That's all it's it is. Either or. <laughs> um, but going into the waiver wire targets, I think people need to add um, if they're not rostered like Tank Dell, you definitely need to uh, need roster Chubba Hubba. Uh, Jake Ferguson, Sam Howell, and Kareem Hunt. I think those are definitely your guys. They should definitely be your priority ads. I doubt they're on, um, you know, the league uh, waiver wire. <sighs> those are already people that most most fancy people already kind of pick up on. But if not, definitely grab them, dude. Yeah. Um, if you can, Kyler Murray. If he hasn't been on IR this whole time, he's uh, expected to start Sunday. Um, another big name that everyone should kind of look out for is Keaton Mitchell. Um, I would definitely put around 15 to 20% fab on him. He, he's more of like a stash play cause he's, uh, the running back three for the Ravens, but he's a rookie and he, every time he's on the field, dude, he is popping off. Let me actually pull up his, his stats. Cause he, he popped off this past, uh, week. This past week, he had nine rushes for 138 yards and a touchdown. That is 15 yards a carry. That's crazy. Damn. That is so insane. Definitely, definitely get him if you can. Um, another one, too, is Taysom Hill. Uh, he, for for sleep, he's a QB. He's, he's uh, Ross is a QB. But obviously, the Saints use him as a very gadget-type player, and he's listed as a tight end. But, dude, he's been, he's been popping off the past few weeks. I would highly look into him. Um, I'd actually – I was back and forth on this one, but I think I would I would still stick with this. If you can get Quinton Johnson, the Chargers rookie wide receiver, he hasn't lived up to expectations, but that means he's relatively cheap, and I think you can get him. Um, and last but not least, the, the hero of the week, Joshua Dobbs. Um, mm. I would definitely try to get him if you can. He's he, Most of the time – um, I know I dropped him even in Dynasty. Uh, thankfully, I had other QBs, but he's definitely a guy that could carry you throughout uh, if you need a streamer, if one of your guys get hurt or something like that. So I would highly recommend that. Um, 
But on that note, that's all the the football and baseball and, you know, all other sports. We talked about a whole bunch. I'm excited to watch some UFC this weekend. Um, I can't wait to see the the first round boys get out of the first round. Yeah, it's going to be I, – I love when it comes down to a late night card like that. I am praying, praying that it starts at 10 and it gets done by 1130. All knockouts, it's just moving. First round finishes every single fight. I, I don't know. think it no. I I have a sad feeling the first three fights on that card are going the distance. And that's forty five minutes right there. But as long as the co main and main are quick, I'm good. Yep. Uh yeah, never know. You never know. Yeah. But um and I, I always do this at the end of the episode, but remember, uh follow us at A B Sports Media on Twitter. Uh, reach out to us via email at billandajmedia at gmail.com. Once again, my name is AJ. And I'm Bill. And thanks for listening. Deuces. Damn. Bye week, baby. call 1-800-GAMBLER to seek free, confidential, 24-7 problem gambling assistance. You can also text SUPPORT to 533-42 to get more information about problem gambling behavior.